goodest of good days, podcast pals, and a spiritually warm but physically fucking freezing welcome to Discontent Provider. As ever, Arkham and I are ensconced within our happy place, the loveliest sequestered nook that rural Warwickshire has to offer, and are about ready to both provide a vaguely rational explanation for the bewildering horrors of a world barrelling towards an unspeakable cataclysm, and perhaps more importantly, come up with at least a couple of half-decent gags, aperçus and vituperative slurs aimed at those who have the gall to drag countless millions towards the previously mentioned unspeakable cataclysm. Now, that might sound like a tallish sort of order for a semi-dormant anti-folk squawker and the world's greatest lurcher, particularly given that we're both getting on in years, but at the minute I'm happy to say that we're both well up for the challenge and... Unlike some people, have plenty left in the tank. Ah, isn't that a shame about Miss Ardern, though? Not only does she seem like a decent sort of egg, she's one of the few world leaders who doesn't look like the dead flesh vessel for some monstrous Lovecraftian abomination hell-bent upon consuming the souls of all around them. Ah, that may sound a little sexist and trivialising of a politician's distinguished career, and it probably is, but uh, it's not so much about the lady in question being frightfully easy on the eye as it is a genuine sense of sorrow at a face not clearly stamped with the mark of evil passing from the international stage. Of course, we could speculate as to whether she is to be commended for having the honesty to admit that she's absolutely had it with the stresses and responsibility of running a country, you know, as opposed to other leaders who cling limpet like to power until the weight of years of greed, corruption and low-level madness cause their brains to implode into a swamp of bloodlust and atavism, or if she's yet another chancer who is jumping ship before some appalling scandal leaps out of the woodwork. But nah, we won't do that, I think. Um, there's too much of a chance that, whichever side we land upon, time will prove us wrong and make us look like utter burks. Enough of that, however. Although, if you do want to reflect upon the relative hotness, stroke henchness of major political figures, I expect there are several heavy hitters catering for you. Probably a Seinfeld rewatch podcast, or whatever the fuck goes on at GB News after chucking out time. This week, we have other fish, and indeed Mars bars, to fry. That's right, we're talking Scotland. And more specifically, the latest episode in the ever-bubbling brouhaha that is the tempestuous relationship twixt Westminster and Holyrood. The UK government's invoking of Section 35 powers to prevent the Scottish Parliament's Gender Recognition Reform Bill from gaining royal assent. Now, quite aside from depriving King Charles' life of a few brief moments of relative meaning as he is awoken from sanitary product-themed dreams in order to sign his name, rubber-stamp the document, or plunge his ring into hot wax, I'm not sure of the actual mechanics of the uh, procedure, this is a regrettable turn of events for both the Scottish trans community and for those who are keen to keep the union between England and Scotland a going concern. Firstly, let's scotch... No pun intended. What the fuck do you think I am? Uh, the myth that this has been some sort of uh, power play on the part of a deeply beleaguered government who are desperate to look like tough guys as everything they touch turns to shit and they appear less and less in control of events with each passing day. Of course it isn't. In these unprecedented times of national harmony and near universal public approval, why would they need to flex on Scotland? Indeed, Scottish Secretary Alexander Alistair Jack 
was keen to make that very point in the House of Commons on Tuesday, saying, quote, And we should be clear that this is absolutely not about the UK government being able to veto Scottish Parliament legislation whenever it chooses to, as some have implied. End quote. So there, you see, couldn't be clearer, could it? I mean, if we can't take a politician at their word as they speak before both their peers and a TV audience of literally dozens of people, then things have come to a pretty pass. He even went out of his way to point out that Section 35 was a measure instituted by Scotland's first First Minister, Donald Duart, as opposed to being something the government cooked up over the weekend. That may well be so. It was apparently seen as a useful balance, which I think we can probably construe as a meaning that it was, yeah, reluctantly given concession to anti-devolutionists to reassure them that things wouldn't go too far and that Holyrood wouldn't go around thinking it was a proper big boy parliament or anything. It's to be doubted that anyone even thought it would really be used, and for 25 years ago also it hasn't been until now. But no, uh, let's leave that aside for a moment. Uh, if the government were trying to tell the Scottish Parliament to piss off and die in a ditch without actually telling them to piss off and die in a ditch, I think we'd tumble to it, wouldn't we? Even among the typically transparent and trustworthy field of politics, our government have repeatedly shown themselves to be straight shooters and not even a little bit shifty. I'm also going to leave aside the nature of the bill itself, as, in all honesty, I, I, no, I don't feel qualified to litigate the matter. Not only am I more or less as content with my own gender identity as anyone can reasonably expect to be, I'm not Scottish either, so uh, I don't have a horse in this particular race. Besides, the sad truth of the matter is that, uh, at least as I see it, the issue of trans rights doesn't actually matter. Fuck my old black and white dog. Uh, that sounded rather flat and callous, now I say it out loud, doesn't it? Um, bear with me though, cats and kittens, because the very last thing I want to do is to diminish or belittle the constant daily struggle of a multitude of people the world over who are having to fight to gain the right merely to exist, to be themselves, and to enjoy the same basic level of respect and personal dignity many, many of us take for granted. What I'm getting at is this. I rather suspect that both sides of this imbroglio see trans rights, qua trans rights, as a low stakes but rather useful game. You see, most people's views on trans issues and upon LBGTQ plus issues as a whole, come to that, are fairly fixed and can only be changed by personal experience. By that I mean that, well, I'm sure we've all seen this sort of thing, have we not? Some character goes through their life either not giving a tuppenny fuck or being actively hostile towards people who have the temerity to differ from them in any substantial way. And then, out of nowhere, something happens in their life that leads them to realise that the out-group they have derided, the spastics, the darkies, the benders, are in fact actually human beings and not monstrous caricatures who don't fucking matter. Perhaps one of their kid comes out as gay, or a niece or nephew is born with terrible palsy. Whatever the case, they become staunch, on occasion even aggressive allies to those that they once scorned or ignored. Unless that happens, those who lack empathy towards a particular group are unlikely to acquire it off their own back. And if they do, it certainly won't be because of something a politician has said. Similarly, those of a progressive bent, 
I don't dig on labels, but if I have to expressly define every term, this thing will go on forever, and it's damn parky out here. Uh, yeah, they're equally unlikely to spontaneously change their minds and begin hating on, as young people say, groups with which they hitherto had sympathy. And obviously the leaders of the two parliaments know that. The Conservative government are very much alive to the fact that their core supporters are, for want of a better word, Conservative, and essentially shitting on the trans community won't cost them any votes. Similarly, the SNP leadership know that their habitual voters lean more towards liberal left-wing values, so by championing an expansion of trans people's rights, they won't be making any significant sacrifices either. Oh, doubtless these manoeuvrings may lead a few floating voters to change their minds, but it's as likely as not that they will all gain as much as they lose, and as is so often the case with floating voters, some of them will probably float back when the next big issue crops up. Now I do realise, of course, that I might be doing both parties in this matter an injustice. Certainly, I get the impression that Miss Sturgeon is pretty genuine in her commitment to broadly progressive uh, causes, and I dare say many, many, uh, many, many members of the UK government are equally passionate about the safety of women and girls. It would certainly explain how extensive and ironclad the funding for child protective services, women's refuges, etc. are. Hey, what? On the whole, though, I do rather fancy that uh, all this posturing will serve the purpose of consolidating the SNP and the Tories' positions in the minds of their respective key demographics far more than it will serve to initiate any kind of constructive discourse on the future of trans rights. As I say, I could be wrong, and unusually, I hope that I am. But even a casual glance at um, social media posts, <coughs> comment section of news site leads me to believe otherwise. In many instances, what might begin as a well-meaning defence of trans people will, after a sentence or two, become a bog-standard SNP tract about the fascistic abuse of power by a corrupt Westminster elite who sees Scotland as nothing more than a cash cow. Uh, Aberdeen Angus, one would assume. What delightful creatures they are. And, on the other hand, a lot of the Bill's opponents are less interested in the procedural aspects or the wider ramifications for devolutionary authorities than they are in going on about snowflakes, putting the jocks in their place, and how you can't argue with biology. Well, there you go. So far, so cynical, wouldn't you say? The SNP are extolled by their supporters as being tireless champions against uh, English neocolonialism, thus strengthening the case for IndyRef 2, and the Conservative government are lauded by their crowd as being the only possible bastion against the breakup of the UK and the deadly virus of unrestrained wokeism. Everybody gets what they want, in short. Well, everybody except the uh, cats nay kittens and kittens nay cats of the trans community, who are sadly relegated to the status of a political football. But that's... You know, that's the great thing about being a marginalised community, ain't it? You get used to being kicked around. That's politics. That's what that is. God preserve us. <sighs> you know what? Just just once I'd like to end these seances on a positive note, just to see what it's like, if nothing else. Oh well, maybe next week. Until then, Arkham and I will take our leave, though not without a closing song, so stick around through the boilerplate stuff, won't you? And here it is. All new, uh, news and views expressed herein are my own and should be used for entertainment purposes only. 
All quotes and facts are taken directly from respectable media sources, whatever that may mean. If you'd like to reach out to us, shoot an email to discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk. On the off chance that you've enjoyed this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in all those old familiar places you go to for aural gratification. And should you get the chance, why not leave us a nice review? We haven't had any yet. <clears throat> not only does that sort of thing help us help bump us up the roster, something to do with algorithms, I'm told, but it doesn't half make one feel big to criticise others, does it? Yeah, go on, I dare you. And then maybe I'll write a review of you. Yeah, maybe you're sloppily edited. Maybe your mum's guitar playing is uninspired and sporadically hesitant. Let me tell you something. Ah, uh, but I see from the fathomless depths of compassion and decency in my little pal's eyes that I may have said too much. That uh, wouldn't be the first time. Anyway, cheerio. And here's that song I mentioned. Right, uh... Just a little introductory note. I uh, thought about doing accents for this. It is, after all, a dialogue. But then I thought, if I do accents, it sort of becomes a bit novelty and maybe trivialises a serious issue. Uh, but then I thought, I'd do it anyway. It's not because I don't trust you to be able to pick up on the uh, subtext of the uh, of the material. It's more I don't trust myself as a songwriter to sufficiently uh, convey what I'm getting at with it. So uh, we've got accents. Try and live with it, please. Cats and kittens. I don't mean any harm to anybody. So uh, let's go. <laughs> You can trust us, we're defenders of the rights of every gender, not like those wee ball bags way down south. Arthur, Martha, Larry, Lorna, we've got this, we're in your corner, we're working hard each day to help you out. It doesn't matter what you're packing, in your breeks you'll have our backing, LBGTQ vote SNP. To be quite frank, we just don't care What we've made our point, don't dare To bother an important MSP You can trust us, we're the Tories Don't fall for their fairy stories We'll guard your precious children, come what may See the kindness on our faces As we stand up for safe spaces We'll save you from the werewolves and the gays the public good is our priority, not maintaining our authority or making sure the Scots are kept in hand. To be frank, we're not that fussed about all that weird shemale stuff. Saving face is our only real plan.
gonna make they fuckers wish they'd not come on with all their piss will take the bastards to the highest court. You're free to identify as gender fluid, trans or bi, to live your life unchained in deed and thought. We'll soon act boys and end them, get that second referendum, cause really folks that's what it's all about. To be frank, who gives a shit if someone makes their cock a clit? We just want to get the fuck on out. You see, it's chaos over the border in defiance of God's order. If we give in, where's it going to end? Come on now, be decent chaps. Shut your whiskey-sodden yaps. Just do as you're told and we'll be friends. Obey the laws and heed the kirk, your bill just means more paperwork and aggravates home counties homophobes. To be frank, this moral panic's just another PR antic to keep our stranglehold on bigots' votes. We can leave them for a few years, let them argue, trade ideas, come back to see what's what, it's still the same. It doesn't matter if you're born a king or queen, we're all just pawns as they get paid to play their tired old game. Be an ally, be a cunt, just be honest and upfront, cause using people really isn't on. To be frank, they're all just posing to push the narratives they're proposing, that's all it is, their country right or wrong. 